Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. Welcome into our 22nd episode of Perpetually Correct. I'm your host today, JB, joined in the booth by Kyle Beats. Kyle, what's going on in the corner? What's up? Glad to be back, man. Excited uh, excited to get into week six college, week five NFL. Uh, had a rough week last week, but I think from what I've gathered, that was a uh, pretty bit, pretty wild consensus is that it was a tough week picking last week. Yeah, certainly a little bit of a roller coaster, specifically in the NFL. You had dogs go, what was it, about nine and four or five straight up, certainly yep. as well against the spread. So tough week for anyone kind of looking at those big favorites. Uh, you know, Kansas City squeaked down a win. Uh, Baltimore lost as a seven-point favorite in the NFL. Uh, kind of just out of left field, I'd say there's probably one or two of those every year in the NFL where it just seems like, <laughs> everyone made adjustments at the right time or what, but Kyle, did that hurt you or how, what was your thoughts on seeing a lot of these, uh, you know, big favorites go down? Honestly, I kind of enjoyed it. You know, it, it shows the parody in the league. This league has more parody, I think, than definitely than basketball and probably more than baseball. And, you know, what we saw last week is teams that we were kind of riding off after three weeks, uh, your, your Buccaneers, your Browns, uh, teams of that nature, really kind of bounce back and show us that, hey, maybe this team is as good as we thought coming into the year. Uh, and then some other teams that, you know, I was buying. I think you guys were selling like the Vikings. Uh, we're starting to learn a little bit more about them. The Colts came back to earth. That may have been a little bit of a look ahead to the Chiefs. But, you know, I, I really enjoy weeks like that. Although I didn't enjoy it, it, it from a from a money-making standpoint. <laughs> I enjoy it from a fan standpoint. Yeah, yeah, fan standpoint, fantasy as well. You know, guys yes. continue to get banged up. You're cycling in running backs you've probably never heard of. Um, so it's certainly an interesting aspect as we move throughout the season. And as you mentioned, the Buccaneers and Browns, two teams we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. Um, Cal, before we move on to this week's, any college football takeaways? I mean, you had the, the route from Ohio State that, Pretty much every talking head's anointing the number one team in the country. We are not going to preview the Michigan State game just due to kind of the, the volume of the line, and we talked about them enough last week. Cal, where do you stand with Ohio State now after last week's victory? Man, I continue to be incredibly impressed by Ohio State. I'm not ready to s slot them in as the number one team. Um, I do think they're clearly in the top you know, five or six and sure. that, that group of five or six at the top there, your, your Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, OU, uh, LSU, they continue to, in my opinion, really separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And I know you got some pretty good teams in there, like seven through 15, but I really think that that, that top of the pack that we've been focusing on, um, that you picked everyone, uh, your four teams are in that top five, <laughs> Michigan and Utah, not so much. Um, 
you know, I, I really – that's what I took away is that they're separating themselves from the pack. I think Clemson showed, obviously, uh, you the know, vulnerability. some vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, some vulnerability and weakness. And, you know, we've talked about how weak the ACC is, or I have at length, and I think you guys mm-hmm. are, are in agreement with me there. And, you know, you kind of ask yourself, is that Clemson playing down to their opponents and not taking them that seriously? Or are we seeing some major flaws in this team? And, you know, Trevor Lawrence has made some kind of erratic throws and not great decision-making, which – you know, 20 year old kid, true sophomore to be expected. But, you know, I, I, Clemson got lower in my book this week. You know, I told you, I thought they were the number one team. And then I was, we were texting back and forth, you and I, and you still like Clemson over Bama. I'm all in on Bama and Ohio state and OU being better than Clemson. Clemson's still clearly one of the, you know, top five teams in the country. There's just no doubt about it, but sure. What I've seen thus far, and especially last week, I think I would put Bama, Ohio State, and OU over Clemson. What do you think? Yeah, it's a little difficult. I'm still very high in Clemson, still my number one team in the country. I do think Trevor Lawrence is working through kind of that sophomore slump, if you want to necessarily say that. But, you know, I've gone on record. I'll continue to say it. I just don't think it's a team that's necessarily motivated yet. Uh, I'm not sure if a loss helps that. But also, I, I just don't think they feel the need to display that. And they're still working on things defensively. Uh, th- they'll turn it on when they need to. But I- I'm not going to downgrade what Mac Brown's done at UNC either. I, I yep. mean, he's a terrific head coach. Uh, certainly had a tumultuous ending there at in Austin with UT. But I think there's a lot of factors that played into that. So when you get a guy like Mac Brown, he was able to bring in a quarterback that he really trusts to run his system. It's a team that's really rallied around him as well as the boosters. So uh, it just felt like a perfect storm. And, you know, we saw it last week with Nebraska and Ohio State. When you're the underdog at home, if you can't capitalize early and get ahead and kind of get that crowd into it and make these, you know, your other opponents start to doubt themselves, it can really snowball. So on, on both sides, it's snowballed on Clemson uh, where they, they kind of had a – they never really pulled away at any point. And then snowballed against Nebraska, where they just got completely uh, drummed, you know, an interception to a three and out, and then it just snowballed and took the crowd out of it. So it, it's college football is very interesting in that light. As you mentioned, 19 and 20 year old kids, when you're putting your faith behind them, they're not always mentally strong as much as we all want to think we are in college. I think when you look back afterward, you go, yeah. I've grown up since then a little bit. So right, and good rule of thumb is bet on if you're going to bet on 19 and 20 year old kids, bet on ones that are going to be making money doing this for a living in a few years. That, that's uh, true. Like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama ha- are loaded with. Um, last thing I do want to say about UNC that is the hardest team to figure out because they've beaten South Carolina, they've beaten Miami, they lose at Wake Forest by six, not terrible. They lose at home to Appalachian State by three. And then lose the Clemson by one. Like I cannot. F- and Appalachian State, they're in my they're in my Texas State Bobcats Sun Belt. They're probably the best team in that conference. But come on, you sh- the fact that they beat UNC by more than Clemson is just that that shows you that Clemson is just kind of I think kind of snoozing through this ACC schedule. Um, yeah, but I, dude, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, you know, the Appalachian State they were ahead, lost it late. I, I think you know, like some games we talked about this week, it was that look ahead spot yes. with Clemson on deck. Again, a young group of kids, it's difficult to keep them in and out. Um, if you kind of look at the school schedule, it's kind of that quarter of the way through the semester. Some schools have more testing than not. It's just some of those <laughs> Correct. some of those factors that you don't know as a fan um, that can play into it. So I think 
to your point, uh, an interesting team, tough team to handicap, and probably one we'll just stay away from barring uh, until we can kind of figure out what that team is. Uh, and for folks listening who haven't heard the smoothie silkiness of J-Mac on the pod, he is en route to Atlanta for Sensibly Loud, has a work trip, going to be in the game one to see the Braves uh, be playing in action tomorrow night. So be looking out for him all over social media at Sensibly Loud, at J-Mac. SLM going to be just loaded with content. If you're wondering what it's like for a playoff atmosphere, I think you'll follow, uh, have some enjoyment seeing what's going on out, out there in Atlanta. Well, Kyle, let's head into the week six. As you mentioned, one of the bigger games and one that I'm very interested in is that the Cal bears head on the road up to Eugene, Oregon. Uh, Cal's going to be without their leading quarterback, who suffered, uh, unfortunately, a season-ending injury in Chase Garbers, certainly a kid that uh, you, you thought was coming along a little bit. Uh, so now we have the backup, the transfer from UCLA, Devin Monster, kid who just wasn't going to work out with Chip Kelly and obviously uh, DRT up there. So, you know, it, it's an interesting team, Kyle. It's a talented defense with two shutdown corners, but an offense sure. that's been really disappointing and even versus some lesser competition hasn't moved the ball. Um, the line 17, do you really feel that Cal has enough offense to hang with Justin Herbert and you know possibly the number one overall pick next year? While Oregon gets healthy again, they're getting some wide receivers back. For those who didn't know, they were running some, uh, from when I looked at the depth chart, some kids who were starting at corner earlier in the year were now running routes for them. Yep. So, now that they can kind of go back to their natural positions, this almost feels like a situation where Oregon may just stop Cal. I absolutely think that. I'm really high on the, this Oregon Ducks team. Uh, I went season total over nine for them at the beginning of the year. It was the first college one I locked in. I was really excited about this offense. I like Herbert a lot. I think I would probably take him over to a, um, just because of the traditional frame, but still the ability to create. Sure. That being said, they were down there two not not just down two wide receivers. They're down there two best wide receivers. Like you said, I mean, you got DBs out there running routes. <laughs> Getting those two guys back is going to be huge. Um, I don't see a way that Cal can score enough points to stay in this game. I like this Cal team. I think they're, you know, I think they're a feisty team. It was a disappointing loss at home to Arizona State last week. That was kind of the and I caught a little bit of that game, and that that was kind of the eyeball test for me that I needed. Uh, Cause I know that they, you know, went into Washington and won that. That's a tough place to go win a game. Um, you know, they beat Ole Miss eh, still a road SEC win. I really thought they were going to win that Arizona state game. Seeing them only hang 17 there. That's, that's a red flag to me. I, I, I know Cal's got great DBs, but I do see Oregon scoring mid to high thirties in this game. And I just don't know if the, the bears are going to be able to respond to that. Yeah, I think it's a tough situation. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks come in and out. Uh, you, you know, you do have the factor of he's got to be fully motivated. He knows, the, right. you know, it's his chance the rest of the year. Uh, but it's just an offense we haven't seen enough from moving forward. And I think Oregon's defense uh, is slowly coming around. And really, it was that big recruit that they landed, uh, you know, heading into last year, the five-star D-end came in. And that kind of changed, I would say, the tone for that Oregon defense that's always lacked that pass rush um Kayvon I'm gonna butcher his last name Tiba Daw fuck you know I'm not you know kid out of California huge get uh number one or number two kid in the nation number one oh wow yeah depending where you look 
and they brought in a four-star corner, McKeel Wright, who's been fantastic for them as well. So I like what we've seen out of Oregon's defense so far. I just want to see more out of Oregon's offense, which I think, to your point now, with guys getting back and healthy, we should. Justin Herbert is just terrific. And, you know, what would this, you know, we talk about this on the podcast all the time, but if Bo Nix and Auburn doesn't have that incredible comeback week one, are we really talking about this not as a, you know, possibly around a 30 point number? Yeah, it's a, it's a 24 to 30 point number. Oregon is probably ranked top seven or eight. And I watched every snap of that game. I think you watched most of it too. Oregon should have won that game. They played better and were the better team. And I think Auburn's a really good team. Oh, yeah. And I mean, since then, I want to give the Oregon Ducks credit. They beat Nevada 77 to 6, Montana 35 to 3, and Stanford two weeks ago to workman like effort of 21 to 6. Right. So as I mentioned, the defense has finally improved. And when you look at the schedule, they go at Washington, or they have Colorado at home following this, at Washington, who's kind of been a little underwhelming, then USC with their ninth string quarterback, Arizona with Khalil Tate has been banged up. ASU, I think, is a little bit of a fraudulent ranked team with a Agreed. true freshman quarterback. Yep. And end the year with Oregon State. I mean, are we out of line to say that if there's a team that could run the table in the Pac-12, it's Oregon? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I'm backing off my Utah pick. That was pure emotional. Um, I do these things from time to time. Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. And it raises the question, if they run the table convincingly, you know, they go win at Washington. They go win at or. Uh, Arizona State, which I agree with you. I think they're a bit of a fraudulent top 25 team. But at the end of the day, if they're ranked and you go in and you beat them, you know, on the road, that's going to look good. If they go 11 and one, especially with that first loss being in the beginning of the year, you know, versus Auburn. Kinda, yeah, right. Or neutral site versus Auburn. That's a big deal, man. I think they go in, they go 11 and one, they win the Pac 12 championship. Depending on how the, the chips fall, they're going to be in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. This is a game I'd certainly be looking for the first half on. Um, right. I know Oregon is coming off a bye, which you can say, oh, they could start slow. But I just think it's a factor of Oregon getting healthy, not having that game tape on You know what this offense truly should and could and would look like, uh, that it may present more difficulty for Cal. Uh, you know, I'd be just kind of worried about possibly a backdoor because I think if Oregon does get up by three scores like we saw last week for Stanford, they're going to be fine you know, running the ball, controlling the line of scrimmage and leaning on that defense to close the game out because they know necessarily, you know, hey, we, we don't need to put more on tape with kind of those bigger games with Washington and Wash State coming up. Exactly. So, Justin Herbert, he threw 24 passes against uh, against Stanford, and that was his lowest of the season. They, they kind of played Stanford the way Stanford plays and just played like a, a – you know, ball control, slow pace kind of game and took care of business. They're giving up 10 and a half points a game. Um, I'm all over the ducks in this game. I agree with you, though. I like the first half line more uh, because you never know what can happen. If it's 17, 17 and a half, something weird could happen at the end. Uh, but I look for Oregon to come out on fire at home. And I think Cal might have to settle in, even if the quarterback plays well. I don't think it's going to be on the first drive or anything where he just goes you know, 12, yard, 12 plays for 85 yards. Yeah, there's not enough, you know, versatility. It's not really a kit. It's a former three-star quarterback. Nothing against him, but he doesn't bring anything special. He's not an elite leg, elite arm quarterback. So it's not as if he's going to provide a shock to Cal's system. He wasn't able to do it last week versus Arizona State. I, I just don't see that factoring in here. So 
Agreed. Uh, well, glad we're in agreement on there. From Callen, Oregon, to uh, another team that we've talked about a lot this year, maybe a little disappointment for some of our listeners. The Iowa Hawkeyes head into the big house for the first time in over five years to face the number 19-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Three-and-a-half-point favorite currently as we sit, and over-under a 47-and-a-half. Uh, we got beautiful weather, it looks like, out in Michigan for Midwest, about 60 degrees for these kids. But uh, to, to your point, Kyle, in the NFL, early 11 a.m. kick. So I, will that affect the Hawkeyes getting off the bus here early at 11 a.m.? These guys will be sleepwalking. It's just science. But uh, to your to, to your point, that weather, October in the Midwest, I mean, that's just perfect football weather. That's everything I love about college football. Um, I think we should ban all three, all three of us on this show from doing anything gambling-wise with Michigan. That being said, I really like Michigan in this game, even though I feel kind of crazy saying that. I just – Correct me if I'm wrong. I've watched I watched Iowa play Iowa State. That's the only game I've watched from Iowa. But this to me is like a poor man's Wisconsin. Like we talked about how Michigan has better athletes than Wisconsin. Isn't that kind of the same situation here, but just even more amplified? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, Iowa wants to do a lot of what Wisconsin uh, enjoys, which is controlling the line of scrimmage using play action. Now, the difference, obviously, Iowa has senior-led quarterback Nate Stanley at the helm, which uh, some folks have rumored to say he go up in the first round. I think that's a little overzealous. Um, not exactly elite arm strength, no. which you don't necessarily have to have, but it's it, it just due to the weapons on the outside for Iowa, you know, they went from having Noah Faint and TJ Hawkins at two first-round tight ends last year that really opened up for one-on-one -on -one matchups constantly for him last year. They don't have that this year. And to your point, they haven't really played anyone that's going to scare you either. I, I mean, the Iowa-Iowa State game, always a great rivalry. Um, but we didn't really get a true idea because, uh, as you remember, huge weather delay when that game started at 2.30. Yep. We had four different delays. I swear it didn't wrap up to like 7 or 8 p.m. Uh, the field was slippery and wet. So, I'm not big on this Hawkeyes team to kind of your point. I just don't think they necessarily have the athletes that Michigan does. They do have AJ Espinosa or Espinaza. I'm probably butchering that. <laughs> gonna be gonna be a top ten pick. Great D end. They have a terrific left tackle there as well. I, I mean, there's some talent along both lines, but I don't think enough to go against Michigan, especially on the road in the big house. And you know, Michigan's coming off their first shutout in I think three or four years almost. I, I mean this is a team, you hate to say they finally figured it out, but there is a ton of talent. They destroyed Rutgers. It finally looks like they're getting wide receivers involved, which I've talked about a ton on this podcast. Their wide receivers are fantastic. I, they are. And Iowa does not have the speed outside to cover them at all. So to your point, this line feels short. And I was looking back in my notes, I had minus 12 and a half as the game of the year number from yep. Vegas in the summer. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I think that got bet down parts throughout the year. I'm not sure where it ended up, but I know, I think it was, no, I didn't, I didn't look at a number last week, but um, just again, a lot of line movement there. I mean, when you're going from a double digit favorite now down to three and a half, you can probably buy to three if you felt more comfortable in that range. Um I'm not high, as I've mentioned, on Iowa. It's going to be the best offense they faced outside of Iowa State. They really haven't played a top 50 um, offense 
outside of that. So I'm not sure how we can see this Hawkeyes defense matching up either. If you're not able to move the ball on Baylor, I just can't see him moving the ball now, you know, on Michigan moving forward. I agree with that hundred percent. This is one that, you know, gun to my head, I'm taking Michigan, but I'm staying away from the spread with my own personal money. If I had to lay anything, I probably won't. But if I had to, I would look at uh, something you like a lot, uh, Jason, with like a first half under, because I think this is something where I was definitely going to be able, trying to play that ball control dominant dominate possession time of possession um they don't want to get in a shootout with michigan and i think harbaugh is going to be stubborn and not put shay patterson in in the shotgun and i know you like Tariq black that kid's got terrific speed i'm in love with the uh the kid that was a d1 basketball offer to uh bell uh wide receiver for michigan that yep. guy has made some yep. incredible plays man yeah they, they just have athletes all over and i know some of you are listening going you know you guys bash michigan said they're awful it, it, unfortunately, guys, this is a market just like anything. It, it's a betting market. And when you have – you got to play numbers and not teams a lot of the times. And I feel like – Well said. The public is all over Iowa here, first of all. A trendy underdog, which I absolutely avoid at all costs. And, it, again, it's just the recency bias. Probably no one watched the Rutgers game last week. They're like, ah, oh, you lost. You screwed me versus, you know, Wisconsin. No one gave any thought. There's an 11 a.m. kick. There's other games on at that time. They're probably more appeasing. You're not turning on the Big Ten network. <laughs> and now you see, oh, they're facing a higher-ranked team at home. Oh, you know, I, I remember they just got killed by, a, you know, a higher-ranked team. So Don't fall victim to the rankings. It, exactly. The rankings, recency bias. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Michigan as a possible buy opportunity this week. And obviously, it's just a sell on Iowa, too. It kind of works in both ways. I think Hawkeye's a little overvalued, and Michigan being a lot undervalued in this game. So yep. we're, we're both in agreement on Michigan here? Yes, sir. All right. Well, moving on to our final college football preview, obviously the game of the week. Auburn Tigers head on the highway down to the swamp in Florida. Moved down to about a two-and-a-half-point two and favorite now, over under a 48 just a little surprising considering what we've seen out of Auburn's offense, but obviously both very stingy on the defensive side. Yep. Kyle, Auburn is 5-0 and against the spread so far this year, which I think would surprise you based on kind of the way that some games have played out. But very impressive win last week versus Mississippi State. Throttled them from the onslaught. Bo Nix has continued to improve. Where are you looking this week with this SEC matchup? Man, I'm stoked for this matchup. I actually almost took Auburn last week because I thought they were going to have kind of a, a, a sleeper look ahead against Mississippi State, but they just beat the absolute piss out of them. And this offense has just really impressed me. We haven't seen, you know, an Auburn offense really operate at this level since, like, what, maybe Cam? I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it's been a while. I know they were in the mix for the for the championship a few years back, but this offense uh, behind Knicks has really, really impressed me. You got tons. You got tons of – NFL talent here on both sides of the ball, specifically on the defensive side, incredible amounts of speed. You know, if you're an SEC hater, I encourage you to watch this game and watch the type of defense that's going to be played because it's going to be fantastic. You're not going to see arm tackles and missed tackle tackles like you see in all these other conferences. Um, all that being said, I'm, I'm on Auburn here. Uh, you know, the two and a half number I like a lot. You, I see this game maybe being a field goal win. I feel a lot better at two and a half than I do three. Uh, that being said, I've watched Florida play also, and I just haven't been incredibly impressed. You know, um, I, I understand Felipe Franks is injured. Um, they bring in the backup. Offenses maybe looked a little more 
better, a little more fluid with him. And it certainly hasn't taken a step back in my opinion, but you know, just watching that Miami game, I'm sitting here saying Florida is so good at every position except for quarterback. And I just don't know if this backup is going to be the guy to take him over the edge. So for that reason, for, for QB play, um, I, I'm going to lean on Auburn here. And this is a team that I think, you know, I, I, I looked at them as maybe an eight win team coming into the year and they're certainly exceeding expectations. Yeah, always hard to know exactly what you're going to get out of a true Frenchman quarterback, but anyone's been listening uh, in the preview or week one knows I'm a huge Bo Nix fan. I I think, honestly, as well with Gus Malzahn, it's a perfect pairing. And uh, this was an all-in year from Gus. He he knew it was a make or break. They've had some down seasons, a lot of, um, you know, changing of the guard at quarterback every year. And he put his money where his mouth is like, I finally got my quarterback again. If I'm going down, I'm going down with my guys. I'm sick and tired of picking who, you know, boosters want or the the media thinks that I need to bring in. And I think there's a lot of familiarity here uh, with both teams, obviously. Uh, You know, Gus has been in the SEC for quite a while, and Todd Grantham, or Todd Grantham, the D.C. for Florida, has been uh, started with Georgia in the SEC back in 2010. was at Louisville for a couple years, then Mississippi State, and now at Florida. Uh, kind of known as a very aggressive guy uh, based kind of from his years from Virginia Tech back with their uh, former former staff. And I think that bodes well with this matchup because when I've watched Gus Malzahn face high-pressure defenses, guys who are going to blitz, leave one-on-one, Gus Malzahn knows how to game plan for that. With yes. his misdirection, with the speed he has at Auburn, if you're going to say, hey, we're going one-on-one, don't get me wrong, Ford's got some great athletes, but – it's it's why Bama's had difficulty too with Auburn because they do bring a lot of pressure. They will load a box. They trust their guys to play on the outside. And I'm sorry, in college, that's really tough for some of these kids to do. There's few schools like LSU who are always bringing in elite DBs that can do that. And Florida's just a touch below that level where I think there could be some success here if Bo Nix can hit the plays. But, right. you know, Bo Nix has already played two top 25 defenses on the road this year. So I don't think there's necessarily that narrative that you can say he's not ready for this. It's just if it's a letdown spot here. Uh, you know, the, the number the, the number's interesting because Florida was minus three heading into this game last week. You could have bought it at Florida minus three. Now kind of not necessarily move through any key numbers. I mean, you would have loved to have Auburn plus three, but, you know, anything through the zero and one, it's not really doing too much at the two and a half. So Exactly. Um, we may get some buyback, some Florida. I wouldn't be shocked if this ended around a pick them. Um, but there is, I think there's a lot of love right now for Auburn, which is why we're seeing this number kind of float out. I think I would wait on this one until maybe Friday evening and see if it does settle around, you know, one or a pick them versus two and a half. Cause I, I think there's going to be some buyback on Florida as well. Uh, great point though, about, about Malzone um, with the, you know, with the play calling, I think this is uh a spot where they can use Florida's defensive team speed against them with misdirections, with play actions and get them out of position. And it's going to come down to, like you said, a a true freshman making those plays in prime time in the swamp and Auburn really, you know, if they want to make a a new year six bowl or push for the CFP, they, they obviously can't afford to lose here because, you know, just kind of looking ahead, three really tough games left for the rest of the year. Uh, They got to go at LSU later this month and then in November they uh they have Auburn at home and Alabama or excuse me uh, Georgia at home and Alabama at home so 
you know, this is a game that they need to get under the, their belt. And if they do, I mean, they're going to be in a really good position to make a run. Yeah, I'd agree. And, you know, last point we kind of forgot to touch on a little earlier. Kyle Trask is in for Felipe Franks. You've seen the past couple of weeks. Um, I wasn't a huge Felipe Franks guy, not a huge nope. leader. Um, didn't do anything too special. Looked pretty good to start the year, to be honest. He made some strides. Uh, but a former three-star in a Manville, Texas, again, not an elite arm, doesn't really wow you with anything. And as we mentioned in the season preview week one with Auburn versus Oregon, Auburn suffocates your run game. So I do think there's going to be a lot of pressure on both these quarterbacks, which is why we've seen that number be in that 48 range. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we got into a shootout. But I do think we're asking a lot of two guys who are probably, you know, in the earlier stages of their careers. And I guess I would trust Bo Nix and Gus Malzahn more in this situation to game plan. But I honestly don't yes. feel great about either one of them. No, I don't either. But, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. Auburn is going to take Florida's run game away from them and say, all right, backup QB, three-star kid, go beat us. And yeah. that's why I'm taking Auburn. I'll accept that challenge. Yeah, I think it's a game certainly to watch and see, possibly a live bet. But to your point, I think both defenses are going to ask the other quarterback to beat them. So maybe try to get a feel on what you're seeing and kind of move from there. Yep. Well, Cal, from the college football ranks to the NFL, our favorite segment, Would You Lay It? Miami Dolphins are on a bye this week. So we will we will substitute to, I would say, maybe the next worst or however you want to word that team. Washington Redskins at home plus 15 and a half um, this week. Case Keenan was seen in a walking boot today. Uh, Jay Gruden was asked about a quarterback. He says he has no plan, followed by Bill Belichick saying the Redskins are greatly coached and respects their team and it's going to be a great game on Sunday. Are you rushing to the window to take over two touchdowns with the Redskins? And most likely it sounds like Dwayne Haskins at the helm. Because of what you just said, yes, I am. Uh, it's not my best bet. It's definitely one of my fit more favorite ones. I love it for a teaser potential, getting it under 10. The Patriots played pretty bad last week. It was the worst offensive performance we've seen out of them in a while. I think they bounced back strongly from that. The Redskins have made every offense look incredible. Uh, they made the Cowboys offense look incredible, which the jury still may be out on. So, yeah, I think I'd lay the 15 and a half here. Uh, did you say Jay Gruden doesn't have a, a, a plan for Case Keenum? He says he doesn't have a plan at quarterback. That was I don't think he quote. has a plan for the team. <laughs> and that man is coaching for his job. Is he, what, is he? I mean, at this point, is he, it sounds like he's just kind of waiting to be fired, to be quite frank with you. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a guy who's overly confident in anything that they have going on. No. And, you know, something you mentioned uh, last week was, even though this Denver Broncos team is absolutely trash, you talked about they're still playing hard. They still got some fight in them. The Redskins have zero fight in them. And I think the Patriots are going to be pissed about how last week went. So that's why I, I would lay that. Fair enough. I, I, I can't really argue against it. I don't think you make money going against Brady and Belichick, yep. especially versus probably a rookie quarterback. So I would, uh, I'd probably avoid it all cost. Well, from a, a team that's not going to be playing on uh, in the playoffs to two teams that are certainly going to be battled, the Los Angeles Rams off a loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Head up to Seattle as a one-and-a-half point dog. Over under 49-and-a-half, we have some chillier weather, 50s with some possible rain, which I guess you can always say in Seattle. 
I'm going to let you start here, Kyle. What What's your thoughts with the Rams coming off kind of an odd loss to Tampa and then the Seahawks having a workmanlike effort versus the Arizona Cardinals? Man, so much going on in this game. I'll be honest. When I looked at the line, I was a little – I thought this would be like a pick or a Rams minus one or two. I'm showing the Rams plus two, plus one and a half. It's plus two on my book. It just yep. depends where you look at it. Are, are you – and I'll dive into it, but are you shocked by that line? Yeah, I mean, we saw it open up at uh, Rams minus three before the conclusion of the Tampa game, and that quickly got erased. Um, Yeah, I'd say I'm shocked. Uh, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I'll let you talk about it first. Yeah, and I think it goes to something we alluded to earlier with the recency bias. You know, Seattle wins handily, and I'm saying that with air quotes. It's like, okay, you beat the Cardinals. You're supposed to do that. And, uh, you know, the Rams have a letdown game where they give up 55 points to Jameis Winston. Once again, though, golf was missing wide open targets, and that continues to be a trend. I do look at this as a bounce back game, though, for the Rams. Uh, I, I really like the Rams in this game. I would I would take the points. Honestly, I would probably just go money line. You'll probably get plus, you know, 105 to 120, depending on how friendly your book's being, because, you know, the point doesn't do a lot for you, point and a half. I think golf bounces back in this game. I think they score a lot of points. The defense did look really poor, obviously, in a game you give up 55, but I still don't think this is a bad defense by any means. I think it's maybe a middle-of-the-road defense with some big names on it. And Jameis and Evans and Godwin, they have a lot of talent. They're a team that can go off at any given moment. Um, And I have not been impressed by Seattle, and I've made that clear on here. Like I said, you're supposed to take care of business against a team like the Arizona Cardinals, who has Kingsbury not knowing what the hell he's doing and trying to figure out this 5'9 guy playing quarterback. That doesn't impress me at all. Seattle's home field wasn't what it once was. Um, I like the Rams on a on a quick turnaround week here. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, kind of turn of events. You know, Tampa Bay has the number one rush, uh, number one rush defense in the NFL. And you know, for those who've listened, the Rams really sent up the pass by the run. So, I guess when you dove into it after the fact, certainly nine ten points was probably bigger than necessary. And it was kind of a matchup nightmare uh, for what we saw for the Rams. And to your point, I think there's a lot of concern all of a sudden with Jared Goff. You know, they handed him that huge extension with a lot of guaranteed money. Yes. And it kind of might be a Kirk Cousins regret. And Sean McVay. Uh, I don't know if it's that bad. <laughs> well, Sean McVay is probably, uh, I would, it's tough to argue against it, the best offensive mind in the NFL and probably could take just about any quarterback and make him look pretty decent. So now they head on to take Seattle, who is another top five run defense, uh, which I think is playing into this. Seattle at home and prime time. The numbers you're probably going to hear at nauseum on any ESPN or radio show you listen to, so we won't dive into them because that will sway you too much. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a team that that is uh, you know exposed in the secondary. So it's going to kind of just turn back into a similar matchup versus Tampa, where Todd Gurley's probably not going to have a great day. They're going to have to have Jared Goff play on the road in a very loud stadium, one of the best home field advantages, and overcome that. Uh, you know, can Clowney kind of live in the backfield? It's an offensive line that we've mentioned before that is a little bit down compared to years past. So I guess I was shocked by the line, but when you dive into it, it does make sense to be kind of a pick em game. Um, and certainly Russell Wilson in that run offense has been fantastic. The Rams do have a top 10 run defense, which is always nice, but they're a pretty poor tackling team. And with Russell Wilson, that can be a concern with his option yes. reading keepers. I think it's a game I'm looking at the over because I just don't think on a short Agreed. week you can make enough adjustments on defense 
necessarily to help. Being a division game, you're very familiar with each other. We understand that. And to be honest, the Rams have had Seattle's number uh, over the past couple of years. Even when the Rams or the Seattle was going on those runs to the Super Bowl with with that elite secondary and, and those high-flying teams with Richard Sherman and, and the rest of Marshawn Lynch, the Rams still always gave him trouble. So I'm going to be interested to see, can Aaron Donald live in the backfield? Because if both teams are shut down on the run game, this game could get really low scoring quickly like we've seen in the past with them. So um, I'm still going to go ahead and take the Rams just because I, I think they have more talent overall, but I don't feel overly confident about either one of these picks. No, but I, I do like working the Rams into a tease potential because if you can get it over you know, seven and a half, eight, I feel pretty good about that. And uh, you know, if you got any, anybody going in fantasy in this, in this game, just, just play them. Uh, Tyler Lockett, Cooper cup, Robert Woods. One of these guys is going to have like a 40 point game. I see some big plays happening here. And I'll be interested to see what the Rams do uh, as far as their balance because I, I have it pulled up right now. Rush attempts last week, 11, pass attempts, 68. That is awful. Yeah, that's what happens. You get behind 21 zip. You got to kind of throw caution in the wind. I just, if both run defenses show up as they have been so far this year, I get why this could fly under. Yep. But I think the, the over under is a little bit more telling for us with 49 and a half. I think that's bookmakers telling us we're, we're going to see plays coming. Yeah. Some little more success, some bigger plays, which Russell Wilson is always, he loves that play action duck ball. And you just got to think Sean McVay, even on a short week has enough in him to be able to scheme against a pretty awful secondary um, from, you know, what we've seen so far to this point. Certainly not the Legion of boom anymore. And is Marcus Peters going to be playing in this game or is he, is he still kind of banged up? I, I, didn't I don't know if he's in concussion protocol because the Bucks lineman, I forget his name, he's 6'6", 340 pounds, absolutely hunted that man down, hit him at the goal line. People are saying it's not a cheap shot. To me, it is. I like defending DBs, but that was – I mean, anytime you get hit full speed by a guy that weighs 150 more pounds than you, it's not great. Yeah, uh, that that is true. Go definitely go find that on Twitter if you haven't seen it. But it uh, online is reporting that he cleared concussion protocol. Okay. So that's big. So I, I think we will see him back out there. Well, from the Thursday night football game to an afternoon on Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off their big win head to a division rival, the New Orleans Saints, also off a big win. Saints three point favorites over under forty seven and a half. Another division game, two very familiar folks, Teddy Bridgewater back at the helm, who I think was a little underwhelming. Um, As I already mentioned, Tampa's number one rush defense to this point. That's obviously where New Orleans wants to get involved, but New Orleans is the number two rush defense, obviously aided by shutting down Zeke Elliott last week. Yep. Um, Being a division game, this over-under looks a a little tall to me for two of the top rush defense. Uh, What's your thoughts here, Cal? Yeah, I'm definitely – we got 47 and a half, 48, somewhere in that range. I'm definitely going to be staying away from that number. That being said, I think the Bucks are getting too much credit here. I think they're getting too much value uh, because of the performance they put on last week. These NFC South games are always really funky. Uh, you know, I could see this being a pretty low-scoring affair. Ronald Jones has really impressed me this year, uh, second-year guy, but uh, – out of USC, I believe, but – Yep. Uh you know, they shut down Zeke last week and Ronald Jones is certainly no Zeke. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, can he, can he 
get something going because if you put the ball in Jameis's hands 50, 60 times, you're you're looking at like two pick sixes almost guaranteed. Right. And Jameis Winston really, uh, I mean, Bruce Arians knew what he was getting with him. Uh, Bruce Arians, a very aggressive coach. Jameis Winston, a very aggressive quarterback. So I think really <laughs> Bruce Arians' goal is, hey, only turn it over once a game and we're going right. to have a chance because we're going to hit some plays just like they have with uh, Evans and Godwin. But yeah, the the Rojo in the backfield with Peyton Barber has been interesting. It seems like every week it's just kind of a hot hand. I loved Ronald Jones coming into a year, big sleeper guy going late or undrafted with someone who had a possibility to turn into the workhorse. Uh, Now that the team is kind of in contention and honestly should be three and one if it wasn't for that shanked field goal (laughs) versus versus the Giants, I I mean, this really should be a game that we're talking about. Hey, the winner is going to have just, you know, kind of that golden path to the division title. So, I think to your point, the line spot on, I wouldn't say necessarily it's overvalued just because I haven't been impressed with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they got, they got out to a big lead versus Seattle and not a lot of that had to do with Teddy last week. He he was an MVP. Was he? No, but I I would see, I would say that the bucks are being overvalued. Uh, The saints. Cause if you look at it, you flip the script and say the saints at bucks, I take the Saints plus three all day in that matchup. Uh, I, I just feel really confident about them defending home field. And maybe this is just me being jaded from watching my Cowboys only put up 10 points against them. Uh, but I, I like the Saints to cover it in this game. I have not been overly impressed by Teddy one bit at all. I look for Kamara to have a bigger game here, even though, like you said, facing a top-run defense. Uh, maybe it's in the screen game uh, or working him out of the slot. He, he's got to get going. And do they have a corner that can really line up with with uh, Michael Thomas, because, I mean, Byron Jones is a really good corner, and, and Michael Thomas still, you know, did enough last week. Yeah, and, and certainly the Buccaneers don't have the same depth chart in the secondary and defense, necessarily the Cowboys, that I think, shut them down. Uh, you know, look looking at the team, you know, Carlton Davis, Vernon Hargraves, kid out of Florida, certainly come along. But, uh, again, you know, when you have a great front seven, you know, Vita Vea and Damakun Sue, great run stuffer. Love the Devin White pick. You know, they have added a lot of speed. And it is a little bit kind of similar to the Cowboys and how they're building it. Obviously a different, you know, 3-4 scheme, but a lot of young speed uh, along the line. So, you know, it's just tough division game. I do think the first half under is a way to look here just because I think it's a letdown spot for both teams after some big wins. But uh, not necessarily excited or against one way or the other. It's just a line that I don't have a ton of feel on right now. Yeah, I think it's a stay-away line for me, but uh, nevertheless, will be a really fun game to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Saints upset the Dallas Cowboys last week. The Cowboys return home as a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Green Bay Packers over under 47. You know, the Cowboys battling some injuries here, Kyle. We've heard that Tyron Smith is out. Lyle Collins is not trending well. So you're looking at Cameron Fleming plugging in at left tackle, which isn't a huge, you know, he, he is cer- certainly a serviceable left tackle. I am worried, though, with the Cowboys moving, you know, Connor Williams out to right guard, uh, then Sousa Falea, however you say it, big guard, long hair, plugging in, certainly played admirably for Connor Williams last year in his injury. 
Kyle, what's your thoughts here, especially if Devontae Adams can't go for the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, yeah, great point. So a lot, a lot going on there. First of all, anybody at left tackle besides Chaz Green is a win because that man gave up six sacks to freaking yes. one player on the on the uh, Falcons last year. So I, I, losing Tyrone's a big deal. As soon as it happened, uh, if you didn't see it, Dak, Dak rolled up on him uh, when he was getting when he was getting thrown to the ground. Looked pretty bad. I mean, Tyrone coming off the field just looked like an old beat down man, even though he's like twenty nine. And it's just, it's really sad, man. He's going to be out for a while with that high ankle sprain, I think. Uh, that's a bigger deal than people realize because Dak needs protection to play well, but Dak also needs the running game to, to open up this passing game, when you, especially when you don't have a Michael Gallup. So I look for them to try to implement um, a heavy run game here and, and get Zeke going. Packers have a good defense, I think. That's what the media has been telling me, but it got exposed a little bit in that second half last week. Uh, against the Eagles and it looked like Jordan Howard and uh, uh, Miles Sanders were going for eight to 10 yards every freaking run. And I, I look for Kellen Moore and Zeke to try to exploit that. Yeah. I think green Bay was a little bit fraudulent through a couple of their yes. wins, certainly had some luck and you know, that's what we talked about in the breakdown last week. And that's why we certainly liked the Eagles. Um, you know, it's tough because <laughs> Kyle as a Cowboy fan. We have seen Aaron Rodgers, no matter if he's, on one leg with a bunch of scrubs seems to always roast the Cowboys. It doesn't matter Cowboy who they have killer. back there. I'm not sure if there's some deep seated hate or if there's, you know, they passed on him and promised they take what it is, but it seems like a team that he always shows up for. And, uh, you know, Jason Garrett had an interesting comment this week about Randall Cobb saying he was a pain in the ASS. This part of the reason they signed him because he's like, we're just sick of facing this guy. Yep. Um, so I'm not sure there's much insight Randall Cobb can provide, obviously, a new team there. Um, you know, from a standpoint of if Devontae Adams isn't out there, I think this is a must play for the Cowboys just because we have seen Rodgers really struggle without Devontae. Even with the banged-up tackles, I think it's a bounce-back spot for the Cowboys because, honestly, it's a game they should have won. The coaching staff shelled up. They ran the ball on first down nearly 70% of the time. They really reverted back to – their old sense and that's to be expected Kellen Moore first time young OC he's going to have some stinkers like he did last week and it's just tough to predict and that was a situation that we saw but I'm pretty interested in this minus three and a half line I hate getting involved on a team I root for but it's also to me I see a lot of value with with saying that these teams are even right now I don't necessarily agree with that I don't agree with that at all. I'm laying the three and a half here for the Cowboys. I love this. I think the Cowboys win this game. I think they cover this line. That being said, J-Mac and I ate shit on the Cowboys last week. So if I lose this one, I'm not betting on this godforsaken team again this year. Um, Devontae being out, though, that's the biggest deal, man. He is yeah. a top five wide receiver maybe in the NFL. Uh, there's so many good ones. But, I mean, if, I understand the Eagles secondary is not great. But the way he was running routes last week, I mean, he was just toying with them like children. It was incredible. And I text y'all after like one or two catches, like, man, Devontae is a dog. And then he went for like 150 wow. yards in that first half. So I think that's going to be the biggest deal. I know he's, you know, quote, unquote, doubtful. Dude, that guy's not going to play. You could tell that was Turf really toe. bothering him. And Turf toe is real, man. That, anyone who's played football and have that, that, there's not, you can't explode. You can run a go route. Once you get going, you're fine, but you can't cut. You can't There's plan just, and maintain speed. You just can't. Right. So if he's out there, I could see it more as a decoy type of situation. But overall, I just think it's a bounce back. I do like a first half possibly on the Cowboys because Aaron Rodgers seems to make magic in AT&T in the second half every time. 
And if they're down 10, Rodgers has the ball with three minutes to go. Inevitably, we're going to go into a shell defense, and Rodgers will pick you apart. So, and Aaron Jones can't get yards, and Jamal Williams is you know out indefinitely. Out. Yeah, well, yeah, Aaron Jones has been interesting. I just think when you're going against the Cowboys, you, you almost have to assume that they're going to stuff your run game up because that's kind of what they've done to a lot of teams so yes. far. And I, I just I think this is a spot where Rodgers knows – I've beaten this team before, man. I'm, I'm going to go out and do my thing. Yeah, so give I'm me not, the ball. Let me air it out 50 times. Yeah, so if that is the case, I get a little worried. But I, I think if Adams is out, they'll have to have that ad- adjustment period. And we saw last last week, first Eagles in the second half, they just couldn't do it to that point. But uh, I think if you do have Lyle, Lyle Collins out on the right side as well, it is going to present some possibilities for the Packers to kind of get after them with that with that new defense. Yeah, I agree. And this is certainly the game of the week. Certainly. Well, to the Sunday night game, the Colts head on the highway to the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the bigger lines, we have Kansas City minus 11 with an over-under of 57, Kyle. I think that's got to be – I mean, we started to see that with the Rams last year with these high totals and and KC near the end of the the year as well. 57, though, just seems like a tall number for two improved defenses. Dude, that number scares the hell out of me. I mean, that's borderline like Big 12 level here, certainly a college uh, over under. You know, that being said, I wouldn't touch the under. I, I, I wanted to go over or under in this game because I could see it going both ways. I'm not ever going to go under in a game that a, a healthy Patrick Mahomes is involved in. And uh, looking at the Chiefs games this year, it's gone over. It's gone over 56, uh, 57, actually, three, three out of four times. So not touching that. It's a big line, man. I think, you know, I my best bet last week was the Colts minus six and a half. Now, I did go two and one, but that was my one loss, and it was a dreadful loss. And I think, uh, you know, that was my bad for not looking at the Colts' schedule. That was certainly a look-ahead game. They're ready for this Kansas City game, and I uh, just didn't take Oakland seriously. You know, the Chiefs did show, as the Patriots did, some signs of, uh, of weakness and, and coming back down to earth a little bit. I look for Mahomes to bounce back here. I don't see him having a no touchdown game. I would do the first half line. I wouldn't touch the 11. That's a lot of points to lay to a, a, a pretty good Colts team. I'll have to see if Malik Hooker's playing, uh, what T.Y. Hilton's health looks like, because that team without T.Y. Hilton is just – that offense is not the same. Yeah, you're hitting on exactly what I wanted to mention. T.Y. Hilton's kind of trending towards the negative side. Same with Marlon Mack. He sat out again with an ankle injury picked up. Um, if you're missing your two biggest playmakers, not to say that, uh, you know, they, they can't move the ball, but it certainly understands the line movement. The nice get back for the Colts is Darius Leonard, you know, huge pick last year, rookie linebacker last year showed up. So for him to be back in the fold, be able to help cover Travis Kelsey would be great. But uh, the bigger news was Tyreek Hill is trending in the right direction this week. Yes. So it almost seems like a perfect storm, and I agree with you. The Chiefs are great in the first half for a number of reasons, mainly because Andy Reid is an elite game planner. He can't make in-game adjustments. He always gets folds up like a house of cards when people <laughs> make changes, mainly Bill Belichick on him at halftime. But mainly this is just a team that does excel early on. They like to get out to those big leads and just lean on that. Exactly what we saw versus Oakland when they hung hung those touchdowns in the second corner and then just coasted from there. So, the over-under worries me from that standpoint. If you're going over, maybe look for the first half because Casey could probably throw up 35 and then just not score the rest of the game yep. um, if if the Colts aren't able to move the ball. 
more of a stay away for me, but I do like what you mentioned. Casey in the first half makes a lot of sense. And there has been a lot of problems with over under or going over the total in primetime games to this point this year. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. First half's looking at about six and a half. I love the, I love the chiefs to be up by a touchdown at home at Arrowhead. Uh, I'm taking that all day. I I think the chiefs are the best team in football and, uh, J-Max in Atlanta in Atlanta and listen to this and not be happy that I said that. And I think Mahomes <laughs> is the best player in the league. And uh, until they lose, uh, I'm I'm riding them. And I'm certainly not going against them. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I love Patrick Mahomes. If this team can get healthy and the defense continues to improve, um, I think they would give Bill Belichick and their team a run for the money now that they lost, you know, Antonio Brown. But that is for later on. I'm sure an <laughs> AFC preview that we'll have a handful of months from now. Well, from the Sunday night primetime to Monday night primetime, Cleveland Browns off probably their biggest win as a franchise in, uh, you know, a, a decade possibly, you can argue. Yeah. Uh, two and two head on to a surprising undefeated team in the San Francisco 49ers off that early week four bye, which I always hate as a fan and probably teams do too. Are you more surprised by the Browns picking up, you know, a statement win last week or San Fran being 3-0? I'm more surprised in San Fran being 3-0, and although I'm very surprised in both. Because the most surprising thing about that Browns win, it's not, you know, you 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 are a seven-point underdog and you win. That's a, already a surprise. But it's the fact that OBJ had, like, three catches for, like, I don't know, like 20 or 30 yards, and they were all in the second half. I mean, the guy did nothing all game, and they were just throwing up points. Nick Chubb had a monstrous game, had some big runs. Jarvis Landry looked fantastic. Now, he did go out. Uh, I think with a, a concussion or neck injury, I don't know what his status is looking like, but uh, Odell was getting blanketed in that game. And guys, Ricky Seals-Jones and all these guys are getting big plays because there's so much attention on Odell. I'm looking for Odell to have a big game here. I think we both oh, – I don't want to speak for you, but I think we both throw San Fran in that potentially fraudulent 3-0 and category. And I, I'm looking for the Browns to uh, to, to win this game. Uh, I like the Browns by a touchdown. I know that's crazy. The San Fran's defense has been really, really good. Uh, a lot of that will depend on Jarvis's health, though. Yeah, it's two interesting teams, and and I'm a big Shanahan guy. I've said that the past couple of years, yeah. I thought him and Jimmy G would look kind of what they've looked so far. And, you know, San Francisco had a lot of questions coming into the year with the wide receiver position on who would kind of take those starting roles. And they're almost doing what most teams do with running backs and what they do with running backs as well. It's a rotation. I mean, every week it seems to be, you know, whether it's Godwin or Pettis, you know, Ricky James is in there for goodness sakes, you, you know, Debo Samuel, the rookie, um, even Jalen Hurd's gotten involved a little bit. And then obviously George Kendall's the steady tight end there, but it's an offense that I think has an elite game planner in Shanahan. And the the Browns defense, it's just going to be interesting. You know, they still are banged up in the secondary. And I think that's why this number's floated out a little bit because we still don't have a whole starting. They have three guys. They have two starting corners and they're starting safety out. And we saw the, the lanes that opened up, obviously, for the Rams a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, a letdown spot possibly after a big division win. San Francisco is ha- coming off a of bye week, so everyone should be well-rested. D Ford and Nick Bosa kind of coming into their own in this defense. Um, gosh, I, I just want to stay away almost. I don't have a great feel, but, I, you know, to touch on the Browns offense, 
I like what we've seen now. And we mentioned on this podcast when David Njuku went down, that that was a big loss. And the reason for that is Freddie Kitchens loves running 12 personnel. And what that is for folks who don't know, it's one running back, two tight ends, and two wide receivers. Yep. And when your starting tight end goes down, and then you bring in, as you mentioned, Ricky Seals-Jones, he's not going to learn the playbook overnight. And now that he kind of is more comfortable, we saw last week, Baker's getting more comfortable with the play action passes. They're feeding Nick Chubb. They, Freddie Kitchens put him in, in positions where he has quick releases in under three seconds, which is maybe he listened to this podcast, what we were both saying. He needs Best to get back to yep. what he did at OU. So I love what we're seeing out of him, which is why I just can't jump on San Fran yet. I think if you're looking to bet this game, obviously be tracking who's active and inactive on the secondary for Cleveland. They're able to get back Greedy Williams or Denzel Ward. I think that's a huge plus for them. Otherwise, if they're not, definitely be looking for the over because I think both teams should have the ability to move the ball. It's just going to depend if Freddie Kitchens can game plan to hold up this pass rush with D. Ford and Nick Bosa and even DeForest Buckner to a, to a degree coming off the edges um, for San Francisco. But I think uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I think this is finally going to be a Monday night that's entertaining, Kyle. Finally, God forbid, we've just had some real, real terrible games there. I'm excited for that one. Uh, I'll probably watch that as a fan and stay away from it. Lord knows I'll probably throw something in a prop or, or something to get, you know, get excited on Monday night, but tough line to pick. Yeah, well, and I think it's also one game where you're finally going to have some fantasy-relevant guys going Monday night. Good point, good point. It has sucked every week. It seems like Thursday, you know, we had the Packers and Eagles, but – it seems more than not so far in these standalone primetime games, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, you got nobody going, man. Yeah. You're like, Oh, well, my game got decided after the three o'clock games on Sunday. So I don't know what to do. Well, we've broken down all the big games for you guys this week. It is back for our final segment of our best bets. Uh, J Mac did get his picks into Kyle. So Kyle, I'm going to head to you first for college on what you have and what J Mac has for us. Do you have those ready? I do have those ready. And before I dive into that, I do want to try to reconcile our record. I was trying to uh, put that together. I went two and one last week. Um, I had the Jags, which the pick you hated, somehow covered. G, G Minshew doing his thing. Um, don't even get me started on that. Colts was terrible. And then uh, my OK State covered. Once again, don't fall victim to the rankings. They beat a 24th ranked, air quotes, Kansas State team. Um, I think we felt, I think as a as a unit last week, uh, we went so two and one, one and two, one and two. Uh, so, you know, uh, not a great week for us, but still well over 500 for the year. Um, coming in with college picks, I am laying the 32 points uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners. They are going to be at the Kansas Jayhawks. I would probably take that as the first half line. I just, Kansas has like the 110th ranked pass defense obviously we know what OU can do on the offensive side of the ball I think they win this game somewhere in the in the neighborhood of 55 to 10 55 14 okay certainly and then where do we have J-Mac heading and J-Mac is actually uh he's taking the Florida Gators now he has it at three I've seen it at two and a half maybe it's three out there somewhere Uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that's what he saw in his book so he's got Florida plus three he's taking the points in the swamp Florida plus three. Well, I'm going to head to a game that we broke down, and this was a team two weeks ago I got slaughtered on. Uh, last week I took Michigan as my bonus pick on Twitter, and just for you guys, we went two and one on the bonus picks on Twitter. So 
I know we went, we actually went to 500 overall last week. If you include the Twitter bonus pick. So that's why you guys got to stay active. That's at sensibly loud. So always be looking there. Uh, But I'm going to, I'm going to lay Michigan. I'm going to buy the half point down to minus three. I just, again, I feel like since that game versus Wisconsin, we had value the last week versus Rutgers. I don't think books have adjusted at all. I'm going to lay it again. I'm sure it's going to scare folks away, but that's fine. That's uh, that's you got to understand one week you're selling a team and one week you're buying. So I'm with you there. I like Michigan and we'll, we'll transition here quickly. Just real fast. You like my 30 laying 32 for OU or you think that's too high of a number? Um, I, I it just, I don't think it's too high of a number. It's just how long Jalen hurts plays. I mean, you know, last week we saw TCU would have covered that though. And they're not as good as OU. <laughs> Shane Bouchelle. Um, you know, we, it's difficult. We saw last week, Spencer Rattler get in for OU. So it's just going to get to a point though, where Spencer will probably appear in four games and they won't put him in anymore. And, and then, you know, that does affect. So it's something to watch with those guys. When, you know, guys are used up their four red shirt games, they're not appearing any further. So I'm not against it. I think, you know, Kansas is much improved, but they're kind of living high off that BC win. Um, a couple of weeks ago, but I, I just, I don't see a way that they don't hang up probably 40 in the first half. Agreed. Sounds good, man. I think we like both of our picks there. Uh, we can transition over to the NFL. Yeah. I got mine and J max ready. Um, I feel pretty good about my NFL pick this week, guys. I'm going with another home favorite. I'm laying the 13, 13 and a half, depending where you're looking at it. I'll lay 13 and a half just cause I'm that confident in the Philadelphia Eagles as they host the abysmal New York Jets. Wow. Okay. The abysmal New York Jets. That's fair enough. Do we, it, who's starting? We got Luke Falk still going for them. We got Mr. Falk. We had two Washington state starters this, uh, this week with him and Minshew. Wow. What Mike Leach is just grinning <laughs> ear, isn't he? That is. Man. I just, I, I love this matchup. Like I think the Eagles and I'm not, and I'm not overreacting what happened last week. You know, they still had a lot of flaws there. I just think the Eagles are kind of finding themselves. Wentz made some really good throws where he looked like 2017 Wentz. I think he's healthy for the time being. Uh, I think Deshaun is still going to be out, but you got Alshon healthy. You got Ertz doing his thing. And, you know, that Jets defense, aside from Jamal Adams and a couple guys on the line, doesn't do much for me. And I don't think they're going to be able to score very many points, even though this Eagles secondary is terrible. You know, Luke Falk's going to be scared when he sees Fletcher Cox coming up the middle because they don't make guys like that in the Pac-12. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. That's uh, certainly a team to, to track moving forward. Well, where's J-Mac heading this weekend in the NFL? So uh, J-Mac is once again, as he did with our Florida uh, Auburn game, he took Florida, went against what we thought. He's lay, uh, taking the points uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. He's taking the 11. Wow. He he has no fear versus Patrick Mahomes. He is uh, just, I guess he's got no concern with their two, two biggest playmakers out as well. I, hey, I applaud the, the gutsiness. It's just something that, as we talked about, we're, we're not too excited and don't really want to get too involved with. I'm not going against Mahomes. I love, I love J Mac, but I want him to eat crow on this one because uh, I think Mahomes is the best player in the league by a mile. I think he thinks Jerry's is out. Jerry's out. So we'll see if his uh, if the Colts can hold up and uh, find a way to not lose by eleven. Well, that's fair. Well, I'm going to head to uh, the Monday night winners: Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens. I think a great bounce back spot for Baltimore. Uh, Whole line surprised me. Yeah, you know, minus three and a half. Uh, I'm going to wait. Hopefully, you can get down to three, if not mm-hmm. buy it. I just think, you know, we may see some folks take that hook for the home dog. But 
like I mentioned, bounce back spot here for Baltimore. They know it's a must win to stay in the division race. Certainly has the ability to put on the pressure to Cleveland Browns heading into Monday night. And I just think we're in a good spot uh, with this matchup. I'm not sold on the Steelers' defense still. Uh, you shutting down Cincinnati doesn't do much for me <laughs> at all. Right. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of question marks there. And if they are able to get Jimmy Smith back and healthy, that's a huge boost to that secondary. But I just trust Lamar to be able to put up more points here than Mason Rudolph. It, it still wasn't a great offensive performance. It was a lot of screens. It was a lot of busted coverages. And then they had a lot of drives that stalled. I just don't think this team is built with, to win without Ben Roethlisberger. It's an offense built around what he's good at. And we just haven't seen Mason Rudolph be able to get James Conner and Juju Smith involved enough for them to be able to win. So I'm going to lay the, I'm going to buy down to minus three for Baltimore. And I think the, uh, the Steelers are going to be a little bit disappointed when it comes uh, to Sunday afternoon. Yeah, man, I love both your picks thus far. Uh, you can only run that middle school offense throwing it five yards and doing these sweeps for so long before NFL coaches are going to figure it out. These guys are getting paid six and seven figures to. They ran know. Wildcat half the game. <laughs> that crazy. Just, that, that, that can work for Cincinnati, but that, I mean, Miami, but I'm sorry. If you're telling me, hey, hey, we figured out how to, you know, get this offense moving with Mason Rudolph, and that's to not have him on the field. <laughs> and, I, and, and don't think that the Pittsburgh defense is any good because the Bengals couldn't score. The Bengals can't score anyways. The Pittsburgh defense is not great. Lamar is going to light them up. Um, it's Andy Dalton in prime time. Did anyone else need any any reason <laughs> to think that, that was going to go well? Oh, the red rifle. Yeah, you can't trust that, man. Um, so we, I, I like that pick a lot. I'm feeling really confident about that. We can transition to our uh, our dogs. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, rescind Justin's pick. My apologies to the listeners. I want to clarify this. Uh, Colts plus 11 was Justin's dog. So Justin's dog is Colts plus 11. His actual uh, NFL pick was, to no surprise, laying the 15, uh, 15 and a half for the Patriots. So wow. that's just a homer pick. I'm going to leave that one alone. I, I get it. The Redskins are terrible. Um, and I'm taking the second biggest line with the Eagles. Uh, I like the Eagles at home, though. New England's on the road. So J-Mac does have New England minus 15. Colts plus 11 he does have. That is his dog pick uh, for myself. Considered going uh, loading up on my man Minshew and the Jags again. I'm going to refrain refrain from that because Carolina is actually showing some life. Um, I, I I just don't have any interest in betting against Christian McCaffrey at this point in time. The man is is just a maniac. Um, so I am actually going back to college football here, and I'm going to take the uh, plus three for Army. Uh, so Army is going to be uh, at home this week and. They are a team that I just feel like I'm trying not to buy in them to buy into them too much because of the performance they had against Michigan. Sure. Um, but Tulane is a team that's been kind of feisty um, with a couple of power five schools. That being said, run defense is not great. I was looking at the statistics very middle of the pack. I think army controls the ball. And at the end of the day, they can lose they can lose by a field goal and still and still break even. I think it's going to be a close game that Army actually squeezes out. I'd be inclined to look at money line for some plus money, um, but in the sake in the nature of uh, dogs, I'm going to try to keep it barking here. Uh, hit last week, and I'm going to go Army plus three. I, it's always interesting, you know. Tulane's last game was versus Houston, played Missouri State, Auburn. You know they haven't played that type of triple option yet which you see some teams try to schedule for in advance so they did have a bye week extra time to prepare 
So yep. I think that's what you're seeing built into this line that they certainly exactly. need to prepare. But yeah, it's something that sometimes you can't even prepare for if you haven't seen it in a couple of years. So I haven't gone back, but I'd be interested to see when the last time Tulane even faced a triple option team. Um, for my dog of the week, I'm going to be heading to college football as well in a Friday night primetime. The Cincinnati Bearcats at home over UCF, a plus four. I'm going to just take the money line, and you can get plus 180, plus 200. Desmond Ritter, I love that kid. Michael Warnett running back. He's coming off a torn ACL, a horrific injury a couple years ago. I think we've finally seen Cincinnati kind of turn that corner. If Ritter can have a consistent game, there's certainly some uh, flaws in that defense, which uh, Pittsburgh showed us a couple weeks ago. And it's a true freshman heading on the road uh, in prime time on a Friday night. I don't want to underway that. So again, as we mentioned with these big home favorites, if you can get out ahead early and ride that wave, and that's why I'm going to take the money line because I'm not interested in a field goal game. I think this is really going to be Cincinnati taking it early on and controlling it or UCF doing what they've done to everyone and boat racing it. So don't, don't come yelling at us if they get boat raced. I'm not <laughs> saying that can't happen, but I think getting plus 180 for a team that's probably pretty comparable uh, with two who could be seniors if they weren't redshirted at key positions at quarterback and running back. I think we're going to see kind of a, an all-in performance from the Cincinnati Bearcats this week. No, I'm with you there. And I've, I've liked all your picks this week. Uh, I'm pretty high on all of those. You know, UCF showed that they're maybe not the team they thought we thought they were. They're certainly not a, you know, college football playoff contender, even if they ran the table. They lost to Pitt. You know, Pitt's had some bad losses. Uh, people don't go and look at Cincinnati's schedule and be like, well, they lost by 42 at Ohio State. Yeah, they did. Ohio State's a lot different than UCF, so don't get wrapped up in that. Well, perfect. Well, guys, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. Again, J-Mac's going to be on the road in Atlanta covering some postseason baseball, so be sure to listen there. Be sure to check us out on Twitter for the bonus picks coming up Saturday morning as well. Again, went 2-1 and one there, brought us to a 500 weekend. Feel great year to date. Also, remember to follow us on social media, Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook, at Sensibly Loud on Twitter, as previously mentioned, and our website, sensiblyloud.com. Of course, if you have any questions you want answered on the air, please leave us a voicemail at 972-885-9361. Kyle, any parting shots you want to take before we get out of here for the week? Cowboys going to the Super Bowl. No, but uh, all seriousness, they're going to win this week. Load up on them. Load up on Cowboys. All right, we're getting out of here. You guys have a great weekend, and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Later, guys.